Welcome to Truth 101 with Dr. Greg Ammons, a podcast which examines tenets of the Christian faith in a systematic way. Dr. Ammons serves as a local church pastor and professor of theology in the undergraduate, master's, and doctoral levels, bringing years of experience into the theological arena. Now, here's Dr. Ammons. Jesus Christ is alive, and that fact makes all the difference in the world. Hi, I'm Dr. Greg Ammons. Welcome to Truth 101, a podcast where we look at the Christian faith in a systematic way. And we have now reached the 500 series, looking at the resurrection of Jesus. Why is the resurrection of Christ the key component, the the linchpin of everything that we believe as Christians. Why does Jesus resurrecting matter? So in this episode, we're going to look at at the doctrinal significance of the resurrection and the ethical significance of the resurrection. In other words, the resurrection of Christ affects both our doctrine, what we believe, and our ethics, how we live. And so I want to look at both aspects in this episode of why it really matters that Jesus Christ really did come back from the dead. First of all, let's look at four statements of doctrinal significance of the resurrection. Four statements of why the doctrine of the resurrection is important. Statement number one. Christ's resurrection affirms the goodness of God's material creation. The physical resurrection of Jesus and His eternal possession of a physical resurrection body gives clear affirmation to the goodness of the the world, the material world, God created in the very beginning. You remember Genesis 1.31 says, God saw everything that he had made and behold, quote, it was very good. So we as resurrected men and women will live forever in new heavens and a new earth in which righteousness dwells, according to 2 Peter 3.13. We will live in a renewed earth that will be set free from its bondage to corruption, Romans 8. 21, and become like a new Garden of Eden, I guess you might say. Now, this earth is passing away, but God will be recreating in heaven, I guess you might say, a new creation, a new earth for us. The Bible calls it a new Jerusalem. In Revelation 21, verse 26, it will bring people into the glory and the honor of the nations, the new Jerusalem. And there will be the river of the water of life, bright as crystal, flowing from the throne of God and of the Lamb through the middle of the street of the city. And on either side of the river, the tree of life with its 12 kinds of fruit, yielding fruit every month. That's Revelation 22. So it's in this very material and physical and renewed universe it seems that we will need to live as humans with physical bodies suitable for life in God's renewed physical creation. Specifically, Jesus' physical resurrection body affirms 
the goodness of God's first creation of man, not as a spirit like the angels, but as a creature with a physical body that was very good. God created a world that was very good, and somehow Jesus' resurrection kind of reaffirms that goodness all over again. You don't have to, I don't think we have to fall into the error of thinking that non-material existence is somehow a better form of existence for us. Uh, I think sometimes we, we get the impression, well, I'm leaving this body to go to heaven and be a spirit, and that's better. Well, not necessarily being a spirit is better because we will have physical bodies in heaven just as we do on earth. In a, in a perfected physical body, Jesus rose from the dead. And in that perfected physical body, he reigns in heaven and will return to take us to be with him forever. Now, here's the second statement concerning the doctrinal significance of the resurrection. Number two, Christ's resurrection not only affirms the goodness of God's creation, but it ensures our regeneration. It ensures our regeneration. Peter said, 1 Peter 1, 3, He has caused us to be born again to a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. And so there it explicitly connects Jesus' resurrection with our regeneration or with our new birth, with our salvation. When Christ rose from the dead, he had a new quality of life, a resurrection life in a human body and a human spirit that were perfectly suited for fellowship and obedience to God forever. And in his resurrection, Jesus earned for us a new life just like his. We don't receive all of that new resurrection life when we become Christians because our bodies remain just as they were, still subject to weakness and aging and death and aches and pains and groans. But in our spirits, we're made alive with new resurrection power. That's according to Scripture. Thus, it is through this, His resurrection that Jesus earned for us the new kind of life that we will receive whenever we're born again. And that's why Paul can say, Ephesians chapter 2, verses 5 and 6, that God has made us alive together with Christ. By His grace you've been saved and raised up with Him. Notice that phrase. We are raised with Christ. We have a regeneration because Christ regenerated. And whenever God raised Jesus from the dead, He thought of us as somehow being raised, raised with Christ as well and therefore deserving of the merits of Christ's resurrection. Paul said that his goal in life, the Apostle Paul, Philippians 3.10, that I may know him and the power of his resurrection. Paul knew that even in this life, the resurrection of Christ gave new power for Christians to minister and to be obedient to God. Now, what's interesting, Paul connects the resurrection of Christ with the spiritual power at work within him and within us. He told the Ephesians 
that he was praying they would know what is the immeasurable greatness of his power toward us who believe. And so Paul is saying that the power by which God raised Christ from the dead is the same power at work in you. That's, that's powerful to think about. The very same power that raised Jesus from the cold, dead rock slab and gave him life again is the same power that is pulsing through you every day as a Christian. And then Paul further sees us as raised in Christ whenever he says in Romans 6, verse 4, and verse 11, we were buried, therefore, quote, with him by baptism into death in order that just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father, we too might walk in newness of life. So therefore, consider yourselves dead to sin, but alive to God in Christ Jesus. And that new resurrection power in us includes power to gain more and more victory over remaining sin in our life. Resurrection power, power for ministry in the work of the kingdom. Notice in Acts 1.8, the disciples were told, you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. and You'll be my witnesses in Jerusalem and Judea and Samaria and to the end of the earth. And so this new intensified power for proclaiming the gospel and, and, and serving Jesus, that is, that is regenerated in us because Christ resurrected. Here's the third statement of doctrinal significance of the resurrection. Number three, Christ's resurrection ensures our justification. Now, there's only one passage in the New Testament that explicitly connects Jesus' resurrection with our justification. Remember now, justification means that, that we are being declared not guilty because of the righteousness that we are in Christ before God. And there's only one passage that explicitly connects Jesus' resurrection with my being saved and your being saved. And that's in Philippians 2.9, whenever he talks of Philippians 2.8 and 9, whenever Christ was raised from the dead, it was God's declaration of approval of Christ's work of redemption. Because Jesus humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross, God has highly exalted Christ. And by raising Jesus from the dead, God the Father was in effect saying he approved of Christ's work of suffering and dying for our sins. He approved of the cross. He approved of the resurrection. And there was no penalty left to pay for sin. No more wrath of God to bear. No more guilt. No more liability to punishment. All had been completely paid for and no guilt remained. Praise God. So in the resurrection, God was saying of Christ, I approve of what you've done and you've found favor in my sight. Now that explains how Paul can say that Christ was raised for our justification in Romans 4.25. If God raised us up with him, Ephesians 2.6, then by virtue of our union with Christ, 
God's declaration of approval of Christ is also his declaration of approval of us. So when the Father, in essence, said to Christ, all the penalty of sin has been paid, he was therefore making the declaration that you and I, we too, are made right with him. So, in a way, Christ's resurrection gave final proof that you're saved and I'm saved and that we're justified before God. Now, here's the fourth reason, the statement of significance of the doctrinal belief in the resurrection. Number four, Christ's resurrection ensures that we will receive perfect resurrection bodies just like His. I had a theology professor, Dr. Boyd Hunt, at Southwestern Seminary years ago who used to say, you can float around in eternity without a body if you want to, but I'm going to have a body. And the Bible makes it very clear, we are going to have resurrection, perfect resurrection bodies just like Christ had. Several times in the New Testament, it connects Jesus' resurrection with our final bodily resurrection. 1 Corinthians 6, 14, quote, God raised the, the Lord and will also raise us up by his power. Uh, 2 Corinthians 4, 14, quote, he who raised the Lord Jesus Christ will raise us up, us up also and bring us into his presence. But the most extensive, extensive discussion of this connection between Jesus' resurrection and our bodily resurrection that is found in 1 Corinthians 15, verses 12 to 58. I don't have time to go through all the verses, but read that, and you'll see the connection. 1 Corinthians 15, verses 12 to 58, you'll see the connection between Jesus' bodily resurrection and our bodily resurrection. In calling Jesus the first fruits, parke is the Greek word, Paul uses a metaphor of agriculture to indicate that we'll be like Jesus. Just as the first fruits are the first tape of taste of the ripening crop show what the rest of the harvest is going to be like, so Jesus' resurrection was the first fruits showing what our resurrection body is going to be like. So in God's final harvest, He raises us up from the dead, brings us into His presence, and our body will be like Christ's body in the resurrection. Now think about this. What was Jesus' body like after the resurrection? Well, after the resurrection, he, he still had nail prints in his hands, still had nail, nail prints in his feet, still had the mark of the spear in his side. That's according to John 20, 27. And people sometimes wonder if that indicates that the scars of serious injuries that we've received in this life, will we still have those scars in our resurrection bodies in heaven? Well, the answer is that we probably will not have any scars or wounds at all received in this life. But our bodies will be made perfect. They're going to be incorruptible. They're going to be raised in glory. And the scars from Jesus' crucifixion those are unique because they are an eternal reminder of his sufferings and death for us. In fact, the evidences of the severe beating and disfigurement that Jesus suffered 
before his crucifixion, the, they could have been all healed and only the scars in his hands and feet and side remained. We don't, we don't know. But the fact that he retained those scars does not necessarily mean we will retain our scars. Rather, all will be healed and all will be made perfect and our bodies will be whole and perfect just like Christ's. Well, those four statements are, are powerful statements of significance to, to what we believe about the resurrection. But now let's, let's look at quickly three statements of significance concerning the ethical part of the resurrection, or in other words, how we live, how we now live on this side of the resurrection and the significance thereof. Paul, Paul also sees that the resurrection applied to our obedience and then living this life. Uh, he talks about 1 Corinthians 15, 58, Therefore, my beloved brothers, be steadfast and movable, always abounding in the work of the Lord, knowing that in the Lord your labor is not in vain. So first of all, because Christ raised from the dead, and because we too shall be raised from the dead, we should continue to work steadfast fastly in God's work. That's the, first, that's the first statement of significance to live for Christ on this side of the resurrection. We should continue to be steadfast in God's work here on earth. Everything that we do to bring people into the kingdom and to build them up will indeed have eternal significance because we shall all be raised on the day when Christ returns and live with Him forever. So because Jesus resurrected, we need to work and work hard in the kingdom because we're working for an eternal reward, resurrection bodies and resurrection life. But here's the sec second ethical significance of the resurrection. Secondly, Paul encourages us, whenever we think about the resurrection, focus on our future heavenly reward as our goal. Now, I know there's a lot of, there, there's a lot of debate about rewards in heaven and what it looks like. And, and to be truthful, we don't know what that looks like. We're told just a little bit about it. But Paul did see the resurrection as a time when all the struggles of this life will be repaid. But if Christ has not been raised, and if there is no resurrection from the dead, Paul says, your faith is futile, you're still in your, in your sins, and those also who have fallen asleep in Christ have perished. And if we have hope in this life only, we are of all people most people to be pitied. That's 1 Corinthians 15, verses 17 to 19. But because Christ has been raised and because we've been raised with Him, we are to seek for a heavenly reward and set our minds on things of heaven. Paul said, Colossians 3, verses 1 through 4, quote, If you then have been raised with Christ, seek the things that are above where Christ is seated at the right hand of God. Set your minds, he said, on things that are above, 
not on things that are on the earth. For you've died and your life is hidden with Christ in God. And when Christ, who is your life, appears, then you also will appear with Him in glory. Wow, what a great passage that Colossians 3, chapter, chapters, uh, rather, chapter 3, verses 1 through 4. It's a powerful passage. The third ethical application of the resurrection is this. Living on this side of the resurrection, how are we now to live? A third application is that the obligation to stop yielding to sin in our lives. Now, we're not going to be perfect on this side of the grave. We realize that. I do not believe in a sinless perfection as some denominations and some beliefs do. I don't think Scripture teaches it. But I do believe that living on this side of the resurrection, we have the obligation to stop yielding to sin in our lives as easily as we do. Whenever Paul says that we're to consider ourselves, quote, dead to sin and alive to God in Christ Jesus, Romans 6, 11, by virtue of the resurrection of Christ and His resurrection power within us, he then immediately goes on to say next in Romans 6, 12, let not sin therefore reign in your mortal bodies. Do not present your members to sin. So the fact that we have this new resurrection power over the dominion of sin in our lives is used by Paul as a reason to exhort us and encourage us not to sin anymore. Now we will, and the Bible tells us, if we do sin, John says we have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ, with the, Jesus Christ the, the sinless one. But he, Paul encourages us, therefore, don't let sin reign in your, in your body. So many times we, we just make excuses. Well, I'm covered in the blood of Jesus and he forgives us. And so therefore, I'll go ahead and do this sin and I'll ask forgiveness. And I think we make too light of sin. On this side of the resurrection, realize that in you, you have resurrection power. And ask God to appropriate that power in you so that sin no longer has dominion over our mortal bodies. Well, I'm glad you've joined us for this episode. I tell you, the resurrection of Jesus is, is so powerful. It gets me fired up. It is, it's so powerful. Uh, all the, the, the implications, the statements of significance, both doctrinally and ethically, what the resurrection really means and why it really does matter. Well, join us again in our next episode as we continue to talk more about the resurrection of Christ and the significance of living on this side of that resurrection. God bless you. Join us next time. You have been listening to Truth 101 with Dr. Greg Ammons. We hope you have enjoyed today's teaching. For more information on recent sermons by Dr. Ammons, go to www.fbcgarland.org and join us next time for Truth 101.